This week on Geek Explained, Souptember comes to a close as I bring back a fan favorite segment. So join me in the finale of our month long series as I pitch New Superman the Movie. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Gazzana, and today's episode is the finale of our first ever Souptember. We have dedicated the entire month of September to Superman, the Man of Steel, the Man of Tomorrow, his many, many nicknames, and all of his associated media. And this is it. This is the finale, this is week four, and I'm really excited because this features the return of Pitch It. I don't think we've done a pitch since episode 200, which was a while ago and was my pitch for a Batman Beyond movie, so I think it makes sense that our next pitch goes from one corner of the world's finest to the other. I'm going to be pitching my version of a movie starring Ken and Kong, aka the new Superman, and I'm very excited to share this with all of you. Um, it's been something that I've had on my mind for a really long time. I think it's pretty well documented, my love for the character at this point. So I am stoked to share with you my pitch for this movie. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, as well as the weekly review, where I will be tackling the latest season of Harley Quinn. I feel like it just came by and no one talked about it, but I've got some thoughts, so I'm really interested to get into that with you all so stay tuned after the jump for that. But for now, let's waste no more time. Let's get right into it, into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will. As in the finale of September, I pitch New Superman the Movie. All right. I am uh, pretty excited about this one. Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm very excited because this is the return of Pitch It. This is the segment of our show where I take something and I pitch it to you. Uh, in the past, I've pitched my version of a Superman film. I've pitched a Captain Boomerang story. Uh, I've pitched a short anthology for Star Wars. I've done a bunch of pitch -its. Last year? Was it last year? I think it was last year. 2022 sounds right. Um, in our last pitch, it which was, gosh, over 70 episodes ago, uh, I pitched a Batman Beyond film. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of our pitches yet, give those a listen. I put a lot of work into them, a lot of time, and I really, really do love just being able to tell a story about characters that I adore, and I hope that this one uh, strikes your fancy as well, because I'm very excited. I've been waiting to do this for a while. And now that we've got uh, some exciting things going on, now that we've got, I mean, 
Jeez, there's there's a lot of excitement going on. We just, uh, as you are listening to this, or as I'm recording this anyway, uh, the WGA just ended their strike after reaching an interim agreement with the AMPTP. So it's a lot of excitement going on right now. And I am going to parlay that excitement into telling a story about one of my favorite characters, that it being, of course, Kenan Kong, the new Superman. So I'm going to be pitching an adaptation of the new Superman story, whether it be an animated film, a live-action movie. I'm just really excited to share this with you. And, uh... Yeah, that's what the main uh, main event of this episode is going to be. But before we get into it, before we get into all of the pitch, uh, some ground rules, and also a quick disclaimer, uh, I love these characters, but this is not like an end-all, be-all kind of thing. Um, if you uh, like the pitch, if you don't like the pitch, that's totally okay. We're all fans. We're all... Um, we're all creative minds that love these characters and the worlds that they inhabit. So uh, I encourage you, if you have a pitch, feel free to pitch it to me. I love getting your pitches and I love sharing my pitches. So that's what this is all about at the end of the day. But let's set out some ground rules getting into the development of this uh, i took a few inspirations i've taken inspirations from uh three different mediums comics film and tv obviously uh from the comic side i drew inspiration from new superman the series of course uh the death and return of superman superman smashes the clan uh the lee ditko era of spider-man as well as ultimate spider-man when it comes to film i took inspiration from big hero 6 kingsman right the Reign of the Supermen animated film, Into the Spider-Verse, Ultimate Avengers, y'all remember Ultimate Avengers, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield variety, uh, Kung Fu Hustle, as well as a little bit of Men in Black, and finally, when it comes to TV, I took some inspiration from my adventures with Superman, Superman the Animated Series, Invincible, uh, Justice League Unlimited, Spectacular Spider-Man, Batman Beyond, Yu Yu Hakusho, and Dragon Ball. Uh, there is going to be some definite animated influence in this and it will be hard to ignore once we get to it uh some ground rules for the pitch uh so this is going to be an origin story for kenan and in that we have to kind of look at early days of kenan kong as a character and as superman and the fact that as written kind of a dick <laughs> Uh, that is just how he was uh, established, and that's what makes his journey, learning about his character and getting to know his character and watch his character grow, that's what makes it all the more exciting and more fulfilling, I think, in a way. Uh, this is just like previous pitches set in a three-act structure, and the world goes a little something like this. So Superman, the Kal-El variety, has been established as a superhero for about 10 years as of the uh, start of this film. Uh, the world is kind of a blend of the DCAU metropolis, as well as I took a lot of inspiration from San Francisco in Big Hero 6, just with that kind of visual style. Um, superheroes have been around for a while, right? Right? There's a Justice League, but it's not like the gigantic JLU. It's the core six or seven members that just started out. This isn't something that's like, oh, we go and do this every weekend. This is like, okay, we've just started establishing this. We've got a core roster, and maybe we'll start a recruitment drive later on. Uh, the world as it stands with superheroes being around, obviously 
Superman was the first to debut 10 years ago, and other heroes have cropped up since then. And through the last decade, the world has become more acclimated to superheroes, to that culture. It's very MCU-based in that uh, superheroes and their battles and their trials and tribulations are just kind of accepted as part of everyday life. Um, Heroes are popular. Public opinion shapes the perception of those heroes. Uh, Certain heroes are looked upon a little bit more favorably than others. There are other heroes throughout the world besides the Justice League, but the Justice League is like the, the... the A tier. They're the major leagues where everybody else is like, oh man, I hope I get that call to join the Justice League at some point. However, because of the proliferation of heroes and the fact that the world, uh, similar to JLU, is um, pretty selfish in that way, there has become this interesting development where it almost seems like we are heading towards a superhero arms race certain countries are stealing their resolve and trying to like they're looking at other countries saying oh what do they got over there okay they've got superheroes we got to get superheroes to protect our interests that kind of thing Uh, as the story progresses Kenan will have to build his powers gradually. Uh, Just like in the original comic, his powers are based on spirituality versus the idea of just alien biology. And his power is also derived from his belief. Uh, This is kind of taken not just from his original story, but also the character of Guardian from the, uh, I believe it's the Imperial, the Shi'ar Imperial Guard from the X-Men and Marvel Universe, where his power is solely derived from how much he believes that he can do something. And in that way, in the idea of being aligned with oneself, of being in touch with your spirituality and your soul and your body, uh, belief is going to be a lot of Kenan's uh, access point to his powers. Uh, The themes of this story are legacy, the old adage of great power, great responsibility, which was originally a Superman thing, believe it or not, and the idea of otherism and belonging, finding your place, finding your found family, and learning to accept yourself in a crowd of others. The goals that I have for this pitch, right? I want to establish Kenan as the Superman of that time. I want to build upon the original story that we got from the incredible team of Gene Lun Yang and Victor Bogdanovich. I want to detail the importance of legacy characters. This is a thing that I have held very near and dear to my heart ever since I was a, a wee lad. I've loved legacy characters. They are the lifeblood of superhero comics, superhero adaptations. And so I want to put the importance of legacy in here, as well as open the door for further adventures and ultimately to tell a good story. I hope that I accomplished that. I've been, this has been on my mind for a very long time. I love the character of New Superman. Uh, if you haven't yet, uh, head on over to the comics that we love, Zach McCrary's podcast that kind of kicked off this whole thing. Um, I appeared on uh, his show earlier this month where we talked about Kenan. We dug deep into the original New Superman story, got to talk about the characters, the world he inhabits, and we got to just gush about how much we love that character so if you haven't yet uh zach has his own soup stuff we've been 
kind of a joint effort to bring Superman into uh, the month of September. So when you're done listening to this, head on over to his stuff. He's going to be dropping his final episode. I'll talk more about that at the end of the show, but definitely check out Zach's stuff. He's awesome. His show is awesome. And hopefully uh, the Superman content that you're getting for this month is going to hold you over for a good long while. But I guess with all the preamble out of the way, without further ado, let's dig into my pitch for New Superman, the movie. All right, check it out. Take a big swig of water. All right, let's do this. We start off in the prologue. Metropolis. Maybe not the place you expected this to start, but this is the shining city of the United States. This is where Superman has made his home. This is the city on the hill that everyone kind of aspires to. Um, if If you make it here, you can make it anywhere in Metropolis. And we start off in Metropolis not with any of the U.S. superheroes, not with any of the um, characters that have established this world. We start off with eight-year-old Kong Kennan and his parents, Zhang Dan and Mei Tai. They are visiting for Mei Tai's work. Uh, she works in a large company that uh, has precipitated a visit over to the U.S. for a short little week-long trip, and Meitai figured she'd bring her husband and her son, Kenan, to take in the sights and learn more about American culture and to visit some of the superheroes that uh, Kenan has always been a big fan of. Uh, at one point, Kenan says, oh, maybe we can go to Gotham City and meet the Batman. He's my favorite. And uh, his father is not super jazzed about this idea. Uh, they're heading down from their room in the hotel. They head outside and they are met by a taxi that Meitai hails and they are mostly just out for a regular day. Uh, Meitai's been hard at work for her conference and so she is taking the day to spend with her husband and her son. And we go in through Kenan's POV as they get into the cab. They are excitedly looking at the sights. We see the car starting to make its way through Metropolis towering skyscrapers clear blue sky everything seems to be the makings of a wonderful day with the family and as Kenan shifts his perspective from out the side windows to the windshield in front of them a red cape suddenly flies from the distance and slams into the windshield forcing the car to crash as all we see from Kennan's perspective is the red cape crashing into the windshield. The car flips and we cut to black. A moment passes. Kennan wakes up in the wreckage of this cab, crawls out of the wreckage, and looks up and sees Superman. He's slowly bringing himself to his feet when he is all of a sudden in the smoke and the rubble that has be- 
that the street around them has become is whipped past Kennen into a nearby building. And as the smoke continues to slowly clear, Kennen looks up and he is almost shrouded in the shadow of this giant creature. Gray skin, rocky features, spikes made seemingly of bone or some other hard structure protruding out of its shoulders, its jaw, its head. This is a very familiar uh, figure to longtime fans. This is Doomsday. This towering gray creature who slowly takes its gaze from where it had thrown Superman down to Kennen. And as it stares and gets ready to lift its boot up to crush the small boy, Superman slams into, uh, slams into Doomsday and takes him off into another street three blocks away. Kennen doesn't move he is just paralyzed with fear and he is shaking he doesn't know what's going on blood is trickling down the side of his head and all of a sudden that's when his father finds him Zhang Dan takes him up in his arms are you okay are you okay he's trying to check on his son and Kenan suddenly realizing and kind of coming to really looks at his dad and says where's where's mom and Zhang Dan just looks around, and he doesn't have an answer. We see the body of the cab driver pinned underneath the wreckage of the cab. He is not great. He is dead. And as they hold each other, as Zhang Dan tries to shield Kenan from this image, Kenan pushes off of his father, runs over to the wreckage of the cab. His mother, his mother is nowhere to be found. And he screams for his mother, shouting, trying to find any kind of clue that she is alive, that she is okay. And the last image that we get as the camera pulls out is young Kenan Kong standing there screaming for his mother. And we cut to black text appears on the screen. On that day, the world changed. Millions died in the event that would come to be known as Doomsday, the most high profile being the planet's protector himself, Superman. In the aftermath of his death, the world mourned. However, their collective grief soon gave way to paranoia and selfishness, as every nation looked to answer one question. How do we live in a world without a Superman? This is where the opening credits come in. As we see that world without a Superman, the credits are superimposed over news broadcasts of the events that had happened in Metropolis, the battle, there's shots of the doomsday monster and Superman lying in a crater in the middle of Main Street in Metropolis. We see Superman's body. We see the cape billowing in the wind. We see the 
cleanup crews trying to save people from the rubble. We see the funeral for a friend as superheroes the world over assemble to pay homage to the first and greatest superhero. We see as time goes on, nations begin to come in conflict with each other, which kickstarts that long-awaited superhuman arms race. Now that Superman isn't here, everybody is rushing to not only A, fill the hole that Superman has left, and B, have the firepower to deter any other nations from trying to fill that hole. We see the Justice League, as they are, being stretched way too thin. Again, this is a small group of heroes. Seven has become six. We have Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Hawkgirl desperately trying to keep the world together to fill the hole, to fill the void that Superman has left, and they're not able to cover everything and be everywhere, which means that Superheroes are starting to step up. The world is thrown into chaos, trying to figure out how they are going to protect their home, how they are going to protect their interests. There's rumors of experiments, secret government agencies that are trying to make the next Superman, secret organizations that whether they are government-funded or whether they are their own masters, are developing new and powerful metahumans. And everyone is hunting for the new Superman. And we cut to ten years later. As we begin Act 1, Surprised to be Dead. And we get something that we haven't gotten in a superhero uh outing in a little while now a narration the movie starts as we get the view of shanghai in china and a voiceover begins who am i you sure you want to know no i'm just kidding um (laughs) but it is very similar in in that same way where you get a voice that says The story I'm about to tell you is going to sound insane, but trust me, it's all true. Take some notes. This is going to be one for the grandkids. This is the story of how I died. And we move from the skyline of Shanghai. We get a couple cuts of the city going throughout um showing its citizens, showing the superhero culture that has been cultivated over the last 20 years. And we move down into an alleyway as a small boy, a teenager, is getting bullied. He's getting beaten up by this bully. And he's got all the hallmarks of your classic uh, Clark Kent-esque character. He's got a bowl cut, because we all did, Asian Americans... If you did not have a bowl cut, you're lying. <laughs> uh, but he's got the bowl cut, he's got the glasses, meek demeanor, and he's getting bullied by this just absolute thug of a teenager who's not that much older than him. And the voiceover continues, now, I know how this looks as the small bespectacled boy continues to get beat up. But if it makes you feel any better, the camera holds on the kid getting bullied that's not me it then pulls up this is me as we see the bully 
is Kong Kennan, senior secondary school student, and he is beating up Luo Lishan, fellow student who has made a habit of getting bullied by Kennan. And Kennan is trying to get his lunch money. Uh, Luo Lishan eventually does give it up to him, and then he leaves. Uh, Kennan heads over to his school. And it's here that we see that uh, Kennan is not well-liked. He clashes with students. He clashes with teachers. He's not really a popular guy. And even though 18-year-old Kennan is maybe a product of the world that he grew up in, um, he's not adapting to it well. (laughs) And at one point, he's called into the guidance counselor's office. This is Mr. Lee, who is the guidance counselor for the school. And this is not the first time that Mr. Lee has had him come in. Uh, Kennan is described as a troubled youth, that he continues to clash with kids. There's bullying, there's fighting, um, all kinds of things that you do not want kids to be getting up to. And Mr. Lee has been trying with Kennan for years throughout his time at school. And even though they're about to graduate, he is not ready to give up on Kennan just yet. Unfortunately, time is short for him. He says, uh, I, I wish I could give you the time that you need, but my niece is flying in from America today. Let's reconvene tomorrow and really get down into what you want to do with your life and who you want to be. Uh, Mr. Lee kind of gets up as Kennan goes to the door, and Mr. Lee says, Kennan, you're not a bad kid. You just need to learn to care about someone other than yourself. Kennan kind of takes this on the chin, and he moves on. Uh, after school, Kennan heads home, and we are reintroduced to his father, Kong Zhangdan. As he heads in, he sees his father where he always is, uh, in this, in the basement of their home, dimly lit, a large table as he writes, types, pins things to bulletin boards, and in the years since they lost uh, Kennan's mom, Zhangdan has changed. He's become somewhat of a conspiracy theorist with his writer's group. And since his wife's passing, he's become isolated. He has a strained relationship with Kennan as he has this wild theory that his wife's death was not an accident. That everything that has happened over the last 10 years has been engineered, that it has been planned and preordained, and that there are shadowy organizations that are trying to ruin his life and ruin the lives of others. And the two of them get in a fight because Kennan is desperately trying to get his father's attention. And we get the indication that a lot of his acting out is due to this. And his father continues to put him on the back burner. He is secondary when it comes to his focus or his obsession with finding out the truth. He wants truth, justice, and democracy for his country. And he argues with Kennan, who is just trying to get him to see what's in front of him, what family he has left. And he says things like, I am still here. I need you. And Zhang Dan tells him some things are more important than any one individual. And the two of them get into an argument. Kennan leaves. As Kennan makes his way through Shanghai, at a certain point, he finds this small boy playing with a ball. 
Um, he's playing with a basketball. Kenan, who we get that classic, he's walking down the street. The ball kind of bounces in front of him. He picks it up. And the kid, who couldn't be old, older than like five or six, it like runs over. He's like, oh, can I have my ball? And every indication from his introduction to this story, from how he's clashed with others, says that he is going to bully this small boy. But he doesn't. He looks at him and he plays with the boy. This is showing Kenan underneath all of his brashness, all of his flippant, uh, argumentative nature is a good person. And he does see the value in people. He's just been hurt a lot. And the two of them play. Two of them play a little bit of basketball. Kenan shows a little bit of his uh, athletic side. All of a sudden, boom, there's an explosion, a block over. Kenan makes sure the kid is okay, and then he goes to see what's happening. There's a weird moment for him as he's like, this isn't like me. Why am I doing this? Why do I care? But he goes over to find that... His good buddy, Luo Li Shin, is being abducted, not by a street tough, not by another bully. He is being abducted by this eight-foot-tall mechanical monstrosity. Kenan's seen this villain before. He's seen it on the news in the coverage of American superheroes and supervillains. He knows who this is. But he has no idea what Metallo is doing in Shanghai. Kenan has a moment where he is frozen in fear, just like he was 10 years ago. And he thinks to himself, just run away. Just run away. Just run away. He even whispers, run. Run. And as Metallo lifts up Li Xin to abscond with him, a basketball hits the side of Metallo's head. Metallo turns as Kenan stands there, absolutely petrified. Metallo drops Lishan for a moment, and Kenan finally shouts, Run! But it's not clear whether he's saying it to himself or to Lishan. Lishan scrambles as Kenan runs up and punches Metallo straight in his chest, to no effect. Metallo is built different. And he picks up Kenan and he body slams him onto the street. And he, we cut once again back to Kenan's POV. Just like when he was in the cab. As Metallo stands over him and beats on him mercilessly until everything goes black. Kenan wakes up. It's one week later, and he's not laying on the street. He's not even in the hospital or, God forbid, in the morgue. He's in a lab. And as he's laying there, trying to figure out what's going on, a door opens. And a woman walks in. Short-haired, lab coat. She introduces herself as Dr. Omen, director of the Ministry of Self-Reliance. Kenan's heard that name before. He can't 
quite place it, but he figures his father must have mentioned it in his ramblings. And Dr. Omen explains that Kenan made a very brave choice, a choice that was widely televised. You see, Metallo is an American supervillain. He's never crossed the border, crossed the ocean, much less, to come to Shanghai. And so him showing up here, a true blue rogue of the late great Superman, had news coverage. And what coverage there was showed Metallo mercilessly beating a teenager to death by the name of Kong Kennan. So Kennan, legally, was pronounced dead to the world. His body was collected after the attack. Metallo beat him to death and then moved on, most likely to try and pursue Li Shin, but Li Shin thankfully was able to get away. Kennan's body was collected seemingly by hospital staff, but ultimately they were in-disguise ministry agents who collected Kennan's body and nursed him back to health from the brink of death. And the reason that the ministry went to this trouble was because Omen saw what happened. And she was inspired. She gives Kennan clothes and brings him into another room that kicks up this video that at first starts in one place and then spreads out to cover the entire wall of the room around them. And Omen says, his name was Superman. As the footage shows different um, newscasts, phone footage of Superman doing his thing, being the hero that the world lost one decade ago. And Omen explains that the death of Superman destabilized the world. Everything that we saw in the opening credits is still going on. A decade later, the superhuman arms race has not stopped, causing really tense relationships between world superpowers and also kicked up a big drive in secret government-funded organizations. The Ministry of Self-Reliance is one of those organizations, funded by the Chinese government in opposition of organizations like Argus, Checkmate, and others. The Ministry, during this time in the 10 years since the death of the original, developed Project Superman. And after the bravery that Kennan showed, Omen wants Kennan to be the subject, the prime candidate to make this new dream of a Superman of China come true. Kennan has no interest in this. He says, I'm just a guy, I'm just a kid, I'm about to graduate school and move on with my life. Omen says, there's no way you were going to graduate with your grades. But Kenan says, I don't want any part of being a superhero. I don't even know what I did uh, with that Metallo guy. He was just there, I made a mistake, and I paid for it. That's what I get for stepping in and helping people. And Kennan doesn't know, he, he says, I want to go back to my old life. And Omen says, well, there might be an issue with that. But you know what? 
I'm going to give you 24 hours. Consider this. Take your time. You are going to be escorted by ministry agents wherever you go. But this is not a prison. You can come and go as you please. But after 24 hours, this offer expires. And remember, the world thinks you're dead. Kenan goes to leave, and Omen lets him know that, oh, by the way, they're holding your funeral tonight if you want to attend. So Kenan, closely followed and tailed by ministry agents, attends his own funeral, standing in the shadows, away from the procession. And there is a bigger turnout than Kennen or I think anyone expected. Kennen was hailed as a hero for protecting Li Shin against this supervillain. And even though he was a rotten kid most of the time, people came to pay their respects. We see the little boy who he played basketball with, confused why everyone's here. He doesn't quite understand what's happening, and it breaks Kennen's heart. Lishan is there. And Kenan hears him saying, you know, weirdly, you were you were the person I spent the most time with. In a way, you were kind of my only friend. And in the end, you saved my life. And then we see others, people who Kenan never would have expected to be there. We see Mr. Lee. We see Mr. Lee and the niece he probably spoke of, this uh, beautiful girl with a really nice red jacket with a yellow S on the back. And cutting through the crowd, Mr. Lee is apologizing. He says, if I had just taken that day to let you know that you were loved and that you were valued... Maybe we could have avoided this, but I'm so proud of the person you were in your final moments. And then we get to Zhang Dan, who seems reserved. You can tell he's trying to fight back tears. You can tell that on some level, the loss of his son has affected him deeply. But he's staying stoic. And the only thing that Kenan can hear him say is I wish you'd made something of yourself hearing this Kenan overwhelmed by everything that has transpired hastily leaves and we see for a moment Mr. Lee's niece catches a glimpse of him we cut to a little while later Kenan is standing at a different grave, the grave of his mother, Kong Meitai. And Dr. Omen saunters up, saying, you haven't visited your mother's grave in years. What made you want to come here now? And Kenan, staring at the gravestone, says, I think I'm just trying to remember why I'm here. And I'm trying to remember when someone believed in me. He looks at Omen and he says, I'm in. Which brings us to Act 2, Becoming Superman. And this is where we get the introduction to Mr. Lee's niece. 
a reporter for the Daily Planet back in America named Lan Shin Lee. That's right, I couldn't help it, I had to bring her in. Um, Lan Shin Lee is a reporter, as I stated, for the biggest news organization in the United States. And in the aftermath of the attack by Metallo, she decided to stay around a while, besides just her visit, and investigate Metallo's involvement overseas and try to figure out what brought him there, what sent him overseas to a place that he had never visited, had no prior connections to, why was he there? And why was he after Luo Li Shin? To that end, Lan Shin decides to meet with uh, Li Shin's father, who is Luo Longde, who is the head of Luo Genetics, a big organization, a big company. And Longde is an interesting individual, right? He has this, he's touted as this self-made billionaire. He has a fortune that is a little mysterious. Uh, he came into this money about 10 years ago. The uh, company itself was established around that same time. Um, there's really no record of his company or any kind of work in genetics beforehand, but he can, he is someone of interest and Lanshin puts it together that he's an important enough man that lots of people may want a piece of him and may have wanted to kidnap Lanshin to get to him. Uh, knowing that this is kind of a dead end and that Luo's involvement in this might be a little uh, suspect, she goes to meet with the other father involved in all this, the father of the boy who was killed. Now, Lanshin is probably about, I would say, 2021 20, here in the story. Um, she goes to meet with Kong Zhongdan in his home. And we see that the death of his son has driven Zhongdan deeper into his isolation. Uh, he brings Lanshin in because she's a reporter. She's looking for the truth, and Zhang Dan wants to expose the truth. So he brings her basically into his den of isolation. We see that the basement has expanded. He's expanded his uh, conspiracy theories. He's expanded the operations from his basement into his home, trying to connect the dots, trying to find a connection between the death of his wife and the death of his son. And during all of this, Zhang Dan mentions... The Ministry of Self-Reliance. He can't prove that it's real, but he knows that it's there. And he knows that they're up to no good. And so Lanshin takes a mental note of this and continues her investigation. And on the mention of the Ministry, we move back into the headquarters of the Ministry of Self-Reliance, where we see Kennan being led into this chamber picture the um the lab where steve rogers becomes captain america the rebirth chamber is all there that's what we've got uh kenan is wearing essentially if y'all do y'all remember superman returns uh what superman came down in if you look up the uh the solar suit superman returns it's this all white uh jumpsuit with the s emblazoned on and that's essentially what uh, Kenan is wearing, except it's an octagon with an S inside of it. So Kenan is led into the chamber, and he's watched as the scientists put him through the preparations by Dr. Omen and her assistant, 
keep an eye on him. He's going to be important later. He's roughly about, I would say, mid-40s, glasses, um, a little meek, mild-mannered, you might say. And so Kenan, after all the checkups are good and he's ready to go, steps into this chamber and the procedure begins. They begin feeding into Kenan this gas to get his physiology prepared for the uh, injection of Superman's DNA. And we come to find out during this process, while this is all being explained, that in the aftermath of the battle between Doomsday and Superman, uh, the Ministry was one of the first on the scene, if not the first. And they they collected not just pieces of this Doomsday creature, but also pieces of Superman's DNA. And they've been working on developing it for the last 10 years to try to crack the code and find out how they can bind it to human physiology. And here, Kenan is going to be their first test subject. <laughs> and as Kenan is getting the explanation, he's like, wait a second, you haven't tested this before? And everything fades to white. And we see Kenan alone in this white void, hearing echoes in the distance, machinery. Echoes of the past, memories, and off in the distance, Kenan sees his mother, shrouded in this kind of ethereal white light, and Kenan begins to run towards her. But the harder he runs, the faster he runs, the closer he gets, the further she gets away from him. And as he runs towards her, he starts to hear and feel a rumble. This white void begins to shake. And it begins to grow dark. And over the small beacon of his mother stands a figure. A figure that's been in his nightmares for years. It's Doomsday. Doomsday roars as it raises its fists up and brings them down to crush his mother the chamber explodes in solar energy as Kenan, enveloped in this solar energy, not unlike a Human Torch-esque visual, is shouting in complete rage. His body is shaking. The solar energy is literally pouring out of him, and he begins rampaging, shouting, Mom, I'll save you, Mom! As he begins tearing up the lab, the scientists run and duck for cover, and as everything is getting out of hand, Omen hits the intercom, and she says, Call them in. A door opens as Kenan continues to rampage, uncontrollable, as two figures step in. Kenan turns his bright-lit eyes towards these two figures, and we see sort of familiar shapes. We see a woman, statuesque in figure, long dark hair, a lasso at her side. We see a man, draped in a long cape, with bat ears atop his cowl. And as they rush into the room, Kenan looks at them and he sees that these aren't the Wonder Woman and Batman that he knows. This Wonder Woman is adorned in green. And as she rushes towards him, she doesn't move like he's seen 
footage of Wonder Woman moving. This is deliberate. This is fluid. She snakes in and out of the blasts that are cascading off of Kenan and delivers a hard punch to his gut to try to immobilize him. But the energy spews out of him, knocking her backwards. This Batman is not the one that he's familiar with. As he runs towards him, this Batman isn't so much of a bodybuilder as he is a brick shithouse. He is large. He is big. He is wide. He is a big old boy. And he rushes forward, utilizing gadgets to try and knock Kenan off course. The battle shakes up and tears through this entire uh, this entire lab until eventually Wonder Woman is able to tie Kenan down with her lasso and this Batman is able to put six or seven different um, sticky grenades onto him which all explode at once as everything fades to black. Kenan wakes up similarly as he did before back in the lab that he had initially woken up in the introduction to Dr. Omen. Except Dr. Omen is not the one who's there. It's her colleague, the scientist holding this gigantic looking um, ray gun. But it's this bright light that Kenan is waking up to, like the curtain has just been drawn and the sunlight is pouring in on him. And as he opens his eyes, he sees that this giant contraption that this man has on his shoulder is enveloping him in solar energy as he is uh has these large black goggles to try and you know mitigate the sunlight the blinding light that is pouring out of this device onto Kenan. and as the uh the scientist sees that he's awake he shuts off the machine sets it to the side and he pulls up the goggles and puts his glasses on as we are introduced to dr ming leong and Dr. Leong is the assistant to Dr. Omen. He explains that the solar energy was used to revitalize Kenan because they believed that since the original Superman's uh, cells and energy and powers were derived from the energy of the sun, that utilizing solar energy might be able to revive him. And we get a quick background, quick introduction to Dr. Leong, who is this mild-mannered researcher. He's been Omen's uh, basically right hand for 10 years, and he is this complete non-entity outside of the ministry. He never leaves the compound. We see, and Kenan gets the idea, we see this, um, this contraption on his ankle, as well as a contraption around his neck. And Kenan makes the connection that maybe when you are put into the servitude of the ministry, they don't let you go lightly. Uh, Leong kind of alludes to this as well, as he never leaves the compound to the wider world. He doesn't exist. But he is excited about Kenan. He's excited about this project. And he reveals that I am a big Superman fan. I always wanted to be just like him. He inspired me. 
and the two of them kind of bond over their love of superheroes. Kenan, after the events of Doomsday, fell out of love with superheroes, but there's always been something inspiring about them, whether he liked it or not. And so the two of them kind of bond over this. That's when the door opens and Dr. Omen walks in with Batman and Wonder Woman. And it's very, very important that you hear Batman hyphened as well as Wonder Woman hyphened. Don't forget the hyphen. The two of them walk in and Omen introduces them as Batman and Wonder Woman and they are the two of three pieces of this initiative that Omen has been working on. A Justice League of China. And the origin point will be the Trinity. Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Super hyphen man. She explains that this superhuman arms race has gotten out of hand, and no matter what any country tries to do, there is nothing that can stand up to the might of the Justice League, which has seemingly been co-opted by the United States, since Superman was primarily a U.S. hero. The U.S. government has exerted somewhat control over the JLA, turning them from the Justice League into the Justice League of America. So the ministry has decided it's us against the world, and we are going to develop the Justice League of China to match them, and if worse comes to worse, defeat them. And this is where we get the introduction to Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, Wang Baixi and Peng Deilan, respectively, and... The two of them are interesting. Uh, Baichi is strictly loyal to the ministry, follows protocol, does not have patience for anyone who tries to shake things up or disobey or, you know, not follow orders. Delan is dismissive and she doesn't trust people. She's very above it all in some respects and she has a hard time relying on other people. Kenan is not pleased by this, because Baishi is a little flippant about how badly they beat Kenan. And they said, you know, oh, this is supposed to be Superman, sure. And Kenan's like, oh, I am going to kick the shit out of you. And he goes to strike Baishi, but his powers are gone. The powers that he had exuded while enveloped in solar energy have been drained from him. And he doesn't understand why. Kenan's powers are explained by Dr. Leong, who says that, look, this is a really complicated process. Uh, your powers and indeed this whole project was developed from Superman's collected DNA. This is eventually, you know, supposed to give you the same exact powers, but it's not an exact science because we don't really understand Kryptonian DNA. So we meddled with it we messed with it we spliced what we could to develop artificial powers to match with the kryptonian dna to make them more applicable to human physiology kenan you're the first successful subject of this if all goes well with you we might be able to replicate it but we need to make sure it does work with you and because of that you're going to have to develop this power set over time and this is where we get the explanation of how Kenan is going to go about doing that. It's through his key, or his life force. 
This is supposed to be a blend of physical power and your life force. And key is not an exact science either, but it is the way that Kenan is going to unlock these powers. Because it's not just as simple as, oh, thinking, oh, freeze breath, heat vision, flight. You have to be in tune with your body in the same way that Superman was. And so Kenan is going to need to focus his key into specific areas of his body to unlock these powers and there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to unlock them all unless he trains and he studies and he works to bring all of this together dr leung gives him a tip a piece of advice he says look the biggest thing that you can do here is align your intention with superman's then put that intention where his key wants to go kenan's key has now been mixed with superman's key they need to find a way to mix them together to bring about the power set for the new Superman. As he continues to explain, uh, we get a quick mention of Kenan asking, wait a second, we're going to be a Justice League of China. Like, do we not have an Aquaman? We got a Batman, Wonder Woman, no Aquaman. And Dr. Owen says, why would we need an Aquaman? And as we begin this um, explanation of his powers, uh, we get this power map that Dr. Leung has drawn up. He says, this isn't an exact science. I have an idea of where these things go. And we see that there's a reason that the symbol is not the traditional Superman symbol. It is, in fact, this octagon with an S through it. This octagon represents the eight trigrams in um, Chinese spirituality. And these trigrams, each side represents a different body part, and Kenan connecting with those body parts will allow him to connect to the power set that is connected to that. As we will come to find out, um, the eight trigrams represent the belly, the fist, the ear, the thigh, the foot, the eye, the mouth, and the head. And if Kenan is going to get to trigram 8, he's going to have to go through trigrams 1 through 7 to get there. So this is very video gamey in a way, where he has to unlock these uh, trigrams one at a time, and each trigram will unlock a new power. And so we get my favorite thing, which is a montage, where Kenan trains with Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, the three, this is where we get to kind of see their differing uh, opinions, their differing personalities. Again, Batman is very by the book. Wonder Woman kind of believes that everybody is beneath her and doesn't really rely on anybody else. Kenan is like a wrecking ball. He doesn't know what he's doing, and he doesn't exactly like his teammates, but they're trying to make it work, and this training montage is overseen, of course, by Dr. Leong. And we get to see Kenan develop these trigrams. Uh, trigram 1, the belly, is unlocked through Kenan training his body and his core, and involves connecting with his physical wellness. So a lot of meditation, tai chi, and through connecting through his belly, he unlocks his invulnerability. We see tests not unlike what we saw in the montage in Shazam, where Billy and Freddy were trying to figure out what powers that Shazam had, or what powers that the captain could unlock. We see through this montage 
Kennen unlocking his first trigram and then them testing it, them engulfing him in fire and him just being like, ah, I'm invincible. Uh, we see him unlocking trigram two, resistance training, connecting uh, with his fists, which not only allow him to get better through uh, resistance training, connecting with his own physical strength, weight training, sparring, martial training. He's learned, he's taught how to fight by Batman and Wonder Woman. And through connecting with Trigram 2, he is able to unlock his super strength. Now, Trigram 3 is a little bit different. It's not a physical power for him. And it's not exactly something that immediately comes to mind when you're thinking of training, it's the ear. And as we see training up his ear, training up his alertness, connecting with the environment around him, allowing him to be more aware, more cognizant, his spatial awareness, we see him going through sensory deprivation. We see auditory memory exercises. And through this, through this training and allowing him to utilize Trigrams 1 and 2 to enhance this training, through focusing his key into his ear, he unlocks super hearing. Now, this brings us to Trigram 4, where it's all about stamina, baby. He is training with connecting his mental awareness and mental wellness with his physical wellness. So this is marathon training, making sure his body can go longer and farther as he trains to unlock the key and the trigram that is associated with his thighs. And as he continues this, there's even a moment where once they figure out, oh, this is going to be connected to his x-ray vision, they start to train him in morality exercises, utilizing his x-ray vision not just for search and rescue, not just for scouting, but also morality. We get a, a quick thing like, um, like Men in Black where they have uh, Agent J and those other recruits put up against the cardboard cutouts of aliens and there's this one little girl. And so all those kind of exercises, Kenan has to develop his, uh, his ear, his thigh, his fists, his body, his belly, as he learns to be a better Superman. And during this montage, Lanshin continues to track down clues. She continues to investigate the whispers and the clues toward the existence of this Ministry of Self-Reliance. And we, throughout this montage, move through about a month. So the montage ends one month later, where upon, you know, completion of the first half of his, uh, trigram key training, he meets with Dr. Leong. And we get kind of a status report, an update on where Kenan is with this training. He can access these powers for the first four, but he can't maintain them. He's not able to maintain one to the other, even though you have to unlock them one by one by one. Uh, and he's getting frustrated. He's like, at this rate, I'm never going to get to Trigram 8. I don't even know what the other powers are going to be. And Dr. Leung gives him some encouragement. He says, look, it takes time. Maybe this will inspire you. And he brings him to a part of his office that opens up with a secret little um, bookcase. And the bookcase slides open to reveal this large um, glass case, which contains... Superman's cape. 
torn, tattered, and Kennen recognizes this cape. It was the last thing he saw before his life changed in the windshield of the cab. And he's initially, like, taken aback by it. And he's, like, we see him visibly shaken up by this. And Leung looks at him, and he looks back at the cape, and he says, you know, I've thought about nothing else since he died. Living up to that. How amazing it must have been to be him. You know, imagine all of that power, but put to defending us instead of them. That's what Project Superman represents. That's what you represent. You have the power to fill those shoes. And whoever the next Superman is going to be, those are going to be big shoes to fill. All of a sudden, we get like a little alert on Leung's computer, which is a mission briefing call for uh, Wonder Woman and Batman. Kennen kind of snakes his way in. Obviously, Dr. Leong has to be there as well because he's Owen, Omen's assistant. And so Kennen's kind of in the back, just kind of watching. And we get the mission briefing for Team Wonder Bat. Uh, a picture pops up on the computer about a, let's say, 50, like early 50s uh, Chinese woman. And we're introduced to Zhang Li, head of Zheng Data. Now, Zheng Data is the largest data consultant agency in China, uh, headed up by Zhang Li. Uh, weirdly enough, we get, you know, the information that Zheng Data uh, was a startup about 12 years ago, and a decade ago, it exploded into getting all kinds of funding and grew into this gigantic data conglomerate that moves about and has its hands in literally everything when it comes to data, not just uh, domestically, but also abroad. Uh, Zheng Li lives in the French Concession, which is this uh, neighborhood in uh, in China with her seven-year-old daughter. And five minutes ago, there was an alert from her home security system. And the footage pops up on the screen, and we see Zheng Li holding her daughter in the middle of her living room and standing over them, is Metallo. And Kennen sees this and he makes himself known. He says, I want in on this. I need to kick his ass and make him pay for killing me. <laughs> and Omen is like, no, this you're you're benched. Uh, she says, until you fully develop your powers, you're a liability because you don't know how to control them. You don't know how to utilize them. Batman and Wonder Woman have been at this for a while. We're going to send in our operatives to make sure that they get this done. And Kennan kind of pleads his case. He's like, okay, but I've been to the French concession. That is a gated community. How are you going to get past the guards? And uh, Batman basically goes, well, I'm just going to knock them out. I'm going to go through them. If they don't comply, like, they're going to have to step aside or be put down. And Kennan says, okay, but look, what if we didn't have to do that? I know the passcode to the back entrance. And everyone slowly turns to Kennan and they're like, why? How do you know this? And Kennan goes, he takes a deep breath and he kind of sheepishly says, Luo Li Shin lives in that community. Uh, I made him give me the code once so I could steal his neighbor's bike. And the look on Wonder Woman's face as she is 
consistently let down by how just awful uh, Kenan is over the past month. Just looks at him, crosses her arms, and just goes, you're the worst. But we cut to the suit-up sequence where everyone's getting in their costume. We see Kenan in his Superman costume for the first time. It's red. The cape is a midnight blue. And it's emblazoned with that same octagon with the S. And it's fight night, baby. We get not just the reveal of Kenan's super suit alongside Batman and Wonder Woman, our trinity, but we also get the debut of the Bat Utility Vehicle, or the BUV, which Batman has been developing, and they basically take it out. It's like a big old buggy. And so they take it to the French concession, to the back entrance. Kenan punches in the uh, punches in the code. Door opens, and they roll their way through on their way to uh, Zhang's house. And while they're there, Kenan's trying to make conversation. He's like, "You know, you know what's weird? Like, how come how come Mrs. Zhang's home security connects to the ministry?" And Batman, who at this point is just done with. Kenan is just like, how come you get that mouth of yours arrest? Huh? How about you shut up and let us finish what we're here to do? Your your utility has ended for this mission. So they arrive at the estate, and Kenan is raring to go. But Baishi and Delan tell him, look, no, dude, you're still benched. Omen over the intercom also says, you got us there you did your part you can now say that you were part of the mission that took down metallo but you need to stay in the buv we cut back to kenan's pov as he watches wonderbat head up the outside of the uh, of the large estate and into a window and there's silence we hear voices off in the distance and then there's an explosion as one of the windows blows out. And Kenan is just like sitting there in the car as the fight begins. Uh, we see, again, still outside from Kenan's perspective as windows are blown out. Uh, furniture's tossed all over the place from what Kenan can see. And a wall busts open as Wonder Woman dives out with uh, Zheng Li's daughter in her arms. She lands, superhero landing of course, uh, next to the BOV pops open the hood and hands Kenan this little girl and says, keep her safe, make yourself useful, I gotta go. And she jumps back into the fray into the house. Kenan kind of sets the little girl next to him and she is just wailing. She's crying. Kenan does not know how to deal with this. So Kenan just kind of like reaches over and like lightly pats her on her head he's like it's gonna be okay and she just starts screaming even louder um the another wall busts open as we see metallo has zhang li underneath his like tucked under his arm and he backs up and then puts her down with his hand on her shoulder his left hand shifts and transforms into a cannon as he puts it next to her head and he says you come any closer to me and this little girl's an orphan and we see that this is in full view of kenan and lee's daughter and so we see her screaming this little girl watching as she's about to lose her mom and kenan knows that look 
he knows the look of a child about to lose a parent. It reminds him of that day, ten years ago. And we get a quick flashback. As Kenan is sitting in the hospital room, eight-year-old Kenan in the aftermath of the attacks, sitting in the hospital room with Zhang Dan, and Zhang Dan telling Kenan that his mom is gone, that they couldn't recover her body, she had been ripped to shreds by the doomsday monster. And the same face that Kenan makes in that moment is reflected in the face this little girl is making. And we see Kenan's brow furrow. We cut back to Metallo holding Zheng Li hostage. And Metallo starts kicking up the cannon. It starts power on as Wonder Woman and Batman are frozen. They don't know what to do. When all of a sudden, wham! Kenan crashes into Metallo's back, forcing him to let go of Zheng Li. And then we get Kenan and Team Wonder Bat versus Metallo. But there is a problem here because Kenan is enraged because he's now seeing that Metallo is representing what Doomsday represented to him. And he is fighting reckless. He's fighting enraged. He is not focused. He is swinging wild, taking out the side of the building, picking up Metallo, throwing him through a house, jumping after him and Batman and Wonder Woman are like, what the hell? As more and more collateral damage continues to pile up, the neighborhood gets wrecked. Batman has to peel off to rescue civilians from Kenan and Metallo's fight. Kenan eventually puts Metallo down with a solid punch to the chest, shouting, remember me? Remember me? And all of a sudden, we see him just kind of lose it. And he, you know, mounts Metallo's body. He continues to beat into him, just bursting through, putting all of his anger and all of his fury and all of his pent-up aggression for the last 10 years, beating into Metallo's body as it bends and it curls and it breaks around his fists. Eventually, we get a lasso wrapping around Kenan and pulling him off of Metallo and yanking him backwards. And as Kenan's shouting at her, let me go, let me go, Wonder Woman kneels next to him and she goes, look, dummy. Look around you. The fight's over. And you didn't win. And Kenan, for the first time, looks around, and he sees what happens when his power is unchecked. The neighborhood is busted up. Street is dented. Cars flipped over. This wasn't a victory. And Kenan recognizes this. Hot on the scene are... um, Ministry agents trying to mitigate the uh, the damage, trying to mitigate the uh, public seeing this. Uh, Kenan is ushered away with Batman and Wonder Woman. This is not the debut that they want for this team. And as they are ushered away into a van and back towards the BUV, we see in the crowd of onlookers, Lan Shin looking and noticing Kenan in the BUV driving off and we see her move off back to this uh motorcycle and she begins following behind the buv back in the ministry metallo is locked down in the science cells beneath the headquarters and as they all get in 
we see the Trinity moved into uh, moved into a holding area, and Batman is just like, you shouldn't have done that. That was reckless. That was against protocol. And Kenan like yells at him. And he's like, yeah, and what would I have done? What would I have done if that little girl lost her mom? Like you don't know you don't know what it's like to lose a parent to something like that. And this kind of shuts Batman up for a moment. Dr. Omen walks in, lugging something behind her. And Kenan immediately is like, look, I'm sorry. This won't happen again. And Omen says, you're right, it won't. And she whips up this cannon and shoots Kenan. Just, he is enveloped by this green energy and he feels heavy. He feels drained. He drops to the floor, gasping for breath. Uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are horrified by this. And Dr. Omen says, this is a kryptonite cannon. And that was the lowest setting. If I crank it up to full power, I could kill you where you stand. You getting Superman's powers also means that you get his weaknesses. And this is your reminder. And as Kenan is gasping for air, Omen stands over him with the cannon in hand, and she says, the Ministry of Self-Reliance exists to keep China safe. Your little stunt endangered not just you and your teammates, but every single person in that neighborhood. You disobey me, it costs human lives. That's the price. Once you can feel your legs again, I expect you to be a good soldier, to listen to everything that I say. I expect you to do as you're told. She then calls in, uh, guards to pick up Kenan and have him locked down in the science cells in a different wing than Metallo, obviously. But as he's dragged through, he sees, he catches glimpses of other prisoners. And Kenan is locked down in solitary confinement. It's interesting because the cell that he's in, it's explained, was specifically designed to keep someone of Superman's power set imprisoned. But he looks at it, and it wasn't built for him. This thing's older than him. Older by a good margin. And he's distraught. He almost became, you know, what he hated. Who knows if he had continued on through that rampage if his, you know, recklessness would have cost the lives of other people. Kenan's broken. And that's when Batman and Wonder Woman, no, Baishi and Daylan visit Kenan. They open up the cell and they come in with bags of food. They sit next to him and they let him know that they understand where he's coming from. None of them have had, had it easy and if that had been them in that situation if they had gone through what Kenan went through maybe they would have reacted the same way and this is where we get the backstories of Batman and Wonder Woman Batman or Wang Baishi was raised in a secret academy to be Batman this place which was called the Academy of the Bat was very much set up like the Kingsman organization in the Kingsman movies and the comics 
where there is a select group of people who kind of lord over it, obviously inspired by the American Batman and his fighting prowess, his detective skills, his gadgets, all of that. And a Batman would be um, would be presented or candidates for the Batman position would be considered and presented and they would fight their way to get to that spot until there was only one. Regardless of whether or whatever it took to get them there, uh, it was a competition. At times it was fights and whether or not you killed your opponent, you did what you had to do. And every agent before him, every Batman before him, going back three or four generations, was killed. And you can tell that even though we say generations, he means generations of the Batman, which means we're going by New 52 rules, where Batman goes on a bunch of adventures within five years. (laughs) But we see that the Batman mantle from the academy of the bat is never held very long usually six to seven months it's a wonder that by she has held on to this mantle for the last year and a half no one has been a batman longer than him and he was only part of this because he volunteered to save his sister he has a sister and all of the Recruits into the Academy of the Bat are orphans. They are selected very Hunger Games style to participate whenever a Batman is killed, to train to be the new Batman. And though his sister wanted to be the next Batman, he volunteered himself to take the final slot in the selection process so that she wouldn't die. And since then, he has had no allies. He has had no friends. Every person he's come into contact with, he's been in competition with. And so him being on a team is very difficult for him because he feels like he has to prove himself every single time that a new person comes in. And that's why he's by the book, by the protocol. He tries to be the perfect soldier because he can't deal with the idea of someone being better than him and out out championing him. Delon is interesting. Wonder Woman or Peng Delon reveals herself to be an ancient mythological creature. She's much older than any of them know. And she asks, have you heard the legend of the white snake? And Kenning kind of looks at her as like, no, why? She says, oh, okay, there are so many things that I do not have the time to explain to you. But she says, long story short, I was around for a very long time And I was turned to stone and left at the bottom of the ocean centuries ago until I was found by Dr. Omen. And it wasn't my fault. I got put there because of someone else's choices. And I got used to being alone because though I was turned to stone, I was aware of everything going on around me. I watched the world change around me and I could do nothing about it. And so I learned to be alone. I learned to not rely on people. I learned that I didn't need friends or teammates. But I was wrong to feel that way. And the three of them kind of realize that they all need each other to get through this. 
the ministry is not a forgiving place, and it could have easily been Baishi or Delan in that chamber instead of Kenan. And so the three of them promise to be better, promise to be a team, and promise to be the Justice League that the country deserves. And during all this, Baishi brings up Kenan's earlier question. He asks, you asked why Zhengli's home security system had a direct link to the Ministry of Self-Reliance. Do you remember that? Kenan goes, no, I don't remember that. Of course. <laughs> and Baishi says, no, it, it, was, it was a good question. Surprisingly good, considering who asked it. I did some digging. Because it didn't make sense to me the more I thought about it. Baishi hacked into the Ministry systems. And... Kenan looks at him, he's like, this seems like the most technologically advanced systems in the world. No one knows about the ministry, which means they've got to have good security. How did you get through that? And Baishi looks at him, and he grins, and he says, because I'm Batman. But he figured out what the connection was. And the connection was Metallo. Metallo has attacked two people. Over the past week. Over, well, at this point, over the past couple months. And he says the first was Luo Lishin, who's the son of Luo Longdi, head of Luo Genetics. And then, of course, last night, Zheng Li, CEO of Zheng Data. Both came into prominence 10 years ago out of nowhere. And through his hacking, his digging, his researching, Baishi knows why. Luo and Zhang were former high-ranking officials in the ministry. They were part of the group that established the ministry, in fact. And they were two of the three heads of a top-secret project that was shuttered after a failed field test ten years ago. Luo and Zhang were fired with severance packages to start whatever they needed to keep them quiet. And those severance packages gave them the fortunes they needed to start their business empires. And the more that he dug, the more that he researched, Baishi found who the third head of that project was. It was Dr. Omen. And the project, as it happens, was Project Superman Zero, which was the precursor to Kenan and was... Basically, artificial power replication that we had discussed earlier instead of the DNA samples. You see, leading up to this, um, Superman was not really easy to get a hold of, nor was his DNA. And so this project was developed to artificially create their own Superman through their own means, through genetic engineering through using data that had been collected of superman's exploits and using that binding that to human physiology and trying to make their own superman however just like with in kenan's case there was only one candidate before the project was shuttered kenan asks who was the candidate and all of a sudden the cell locks down with the trinity inside 
They scramble up and they see, standing there, on the outside of the cell, Dr. Leung, who grins at them. And he reveals that he was Superman Zero. Superman Zero was the first major project of the Ministry of Self-Reliance, and the first in a supposed line of future supermen. They were going to create a army of genetic super soldiers that could match Superman's strength and establish dominance on the world stage. The United States of America has had Superman for years, and the world has been trying to catch up. Well, now, through Project Superman Zero, China was going to have an army of supermen and they would never be challenged. Through this project, Omen, Zhang, and Luo developed Zero. Leung was Omen's lab assistant and volunteered to be the test subject. Because what better way to become what you idolize than by submitting yourself to a project that could turn you into your idol. However, Without Superman's DNA, the artificial power replication proved unreliable. And this failed field test in the records caused him to become a prisoner of the Ministry of Self-Reliance. He's been working since then for a decade to correct his mistakes and become the true Superman. Baishi stands up and he asks, what was this failed field test? And a sinister smile comes across Young's face as he says, It was ten years ago, in Metropolis, I was sent to see how I matched up against the Man of Steel. And as it turns out, I won. Though that's not how the Ministry saw it. The Ministry didn't see it as a day of victory for the project, for the Ministry, for China. They saw it, and me, as Doomsday. The young was Doomsday. And this shatters Kennen. However, Leung being a prisoner in the ministry didn't rob him of his ambition. This failed test was a victory. He won. He beat Superman. Why couldn't the ministry see it? Well, because he had turned into a gray rage monster and had destroyed a city on his way to his victory. The Ministry saw it as a draw, but I still think I won. And we see that it is revealed, of course, the ankle bracelet and the uh, binding around his neck. The collar was, in fact, a power-dampening collar. And Leung bided his time. He built up his usefulness to this new Superman project. 
And he used his connections over the years and connected with a secret benefactor in America to employ Metallo. Through this, he would capture Luo and Zhang to help develop a new formula, something that they could use to turn him into the next Superman. However, Kennen's involvement threw a wrench into things, and it accidentally became the solution that he needed. Because he didn't want to be the test subject for this, what if it went wrong? But utilizing someone who was dead to the world was a win-win. If it worked, great. He would know that the formula was now perfected and he could use it on himself. If it didn't work, great. He didn't have to suffer the consequences and he could continue to develop it. And he says, now that we've perfected the formula through Kennen's DNA, I can combine it with my genetic code and become the true... Superman. Baishi argues the Ministry's security systems are going to stop you. They have security upon security that will cut you off before you even get the chance to do this. Leung grins and he says, why do you think I had you capture Metallo? At that exact moment, everything goes dark. As we see from his cell, that Metallo has hacked in to the Ministry systems and has shut everything off except the cell that Kennen, Delan, and Baishi are in. Leung tells them, I have waited for too long to become what I was meant to be, and I will wait no longer. And Leung injects himself with this perfected formula, and he begins to mutate. We see his body violently convulse as he begins to grow. The collar and the ankle bracelet shatter off of him, overloaded by the power within him, as he becomes, once again, Doomsday. However, there is a stark difference. He has the appearance of Doomsday, but the intellect of Leung. He says, before I was rageful, I was uncontrollable, but now I am the perfect weapon. He looks at Kenan and he says, you were never meant to be the next Superman, Kenan. You were just a means to an end. I will tear this country down to its foundations and build it back up in my image. I will rule as China's new Emperor Superman. Leung begins rampaging through the Ministry facility, breaking it open, and heads out into Shanghai, which leaves our heroes, especially Kennen, broken. Our heroes are imprisoned, the Ministry's mission was a lie, and we find all the pieces on the board. Daylon and Baishi continue to struggle against security measures, but they need Kennen. They need his powers. But Kennen is lost. They say, we can't just let Leong take over the country. This is what we were brought together to do. And Kennen says, we weren't brought together to do anything. This has all been a lie. 
when all of a sudden, beep, the cell unlocks. And poking her head out from the other side of the cell is Lan Shin. She followed them from the scene of the battle in the French concession and entered through all of the holes that Leung had created in his rampage out. And this is where we get Lan Shin's backstory. She and her brother were rescued by Superman at a very early age, a little bit before uh, Superman's death. And after his death, she dedicated her life to truth and justice. And she knows that the only way that Doomsday is going to be brought to justice is by the Justice League of China. Baishi and Daylon suit up, but Kenan doesn't join them. He says, I gave up my life for a lie. I'm not a hero. I'm just a footnote to somebody else's story. And of course, we talked about before his sense of self, spirituality, his key is all out of whack now. He doesn't believe in himself, so he can't access the powers that he's been given. And so, regrettably, Batman, Wonder Woman, and accompanied by Lan Shin, pursue Young and Doomsday as we head into Act 3, Made in China. So we kick things off with Doomsday rampaging through Shanghai with Wonder Bat in hot pursuit and Lan Shin on the ground level helping with evacuations, trying to get people out of the way and trying to get a the word out that this thing is making its way through the city. And we cut to a familiar point of view. We see this little boy and his mother. It's the little boy from earlier that Kenan had played with. And they're stuck in a traffic jam. Little boy's in the back seat with the rampaging going on, the city in distress. Everyone is trying to make their way out. But it's bumper to bumper. And we hear a crash in the distance as we see the little boy's perspective go from the side of the out the side window to the windshield. And once it hit gets there, we see in the distance Doomsday. Throwing cars, eating them out of the way, crushing people, and it starts to run. He starts to charge at this car, and he gets right up to it when all of a sudden, a lasso wraps around Doomsday's neck and yanks him backwards. He hits the ground before it releases, comes back. Doomsday looks up, and it's Wonder Woman. We see Batman arrive, rescues the boy and his mother, gets them to safety, and we get Doomsday versus Wonder Bat. Back at the ministry, Kenan is still sitting in his cell as the emergency powers struggle to turn on. Kenan is found by Dr. Omen. Dr. Omen, you know, is making her way through the rampage. We see, you know, she's sustained a head injury. Like, she's just, like, struggling. And she sees him. She says, Kenan? Superman, what are you doing here? We cut back. Wonder Woman is battling with Doomsday. They are going toe-to-toe, strike after strike. Um, Wonder Woman's, again, her fighting style is very fluid, very uh, waterbendery in that, like, almost dancer quality as she goes up and around him, striking him viciously, but 
Doomsday is strong. He is durable. And at one point, he grabs her by the leg and lifts her up, saying, Is this all you have? <laughs> Maybe when this is all over, I'll make you my queen. All of a sudden, chick, 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 we see three sticky grenades latch onto Doomsday's head as they explode. He drops Wonder Woman, and Batman comes in with a drop kick straight onto Doomsday that does nothing. He bounces off, and he starts using his gadgets, trying to blow things up, trying to uh, pierce him. He takes two of his batarangs that are razor sharp. He starts trying to stab them into him. Um, it is no use. This guy is just a tank. Uh, Batman rolls backwards and regroups with Wonder Woman as Doomsday roars in anger. Back with Kenan and Omen, Omen scolds him for giving up. She cannot believe that her Superman is lying here, feeling sorry for himself, while literally Doomsday is going on outside. She says, this isn't what Superman is supposed to do. This isn't what Superman, the real one, would do. And Kenan barks back at her. He says, you wanted me to bury my head in the sand, to be a good little soldier, to sit when you tell me to sit. Well, here you go. I'm sitting. And Omen says, I never asked you to give up. I just needed you to listen to me. Kenan says, I've never listened to anyone. Why should I? Why should I care about other people when they've never cared about me? And Omen stops. She recognizes that they're going to go in circles. And she realizes that her approach to this whole thing, and to Kenan, has been flawed. All of a sudden, we hear a creak. A bang. Someone screaming in the distance for them to spare him. Before his life is snuffed out. And we travel out of the cell, along the hallway, down a couple turns, and we find Metallo marching through the hallway, hunting for Dr. Omen. We cut back to the outside, to Shanghai. Lanshin, just like we've seen in every other big movie before, we see her noticing a news crew on the outskirts of everything, covering these attacks. And this is when we get a cameo from Lainey Lan reporting, where she says, you know, we don't know what's happening. We can only assume that this is an aggression from a foreign superpower, and the media is assuming that this is a foreign attack from superheroes or villains from another country. And that's when Lan Shin bumps Lainey out of the way to get into front of the camera. And she says, this is Lan Shin Lee reporting for the Daily Planet, and I need you to listen to me because this is the truth. And she exposes what is going on. She exposes Leung, she exposes Doomsday, and she says this is the same monster that killed Superman 10 years ago. And there are heroes fighting to make sure that that doesn't happen here. Back in the headquarters, Metallo hunts Kenan and Omen. And we're getting big, like, horror Terminator vibes where he is just this unstoppable killing machine as Omen continues to pull Kenan from room to room trying to avoid this terrifying uh, killer robot. Omen pleads with Kenan, I just need you to power up and end this thing. But Kenan has lost hope. 
He has lost his will to fight. And finally, she kneels down with him and she says, Superman, Superman, Kenan, when you disobeyed my orders, you did so for that little girl, right? Zhang Li's daughter? To save her mom. That's what you were trying to do. I know your story, Kenan. I know how much the world has taken from you, but you have the chance to make sure what happened to you doesn't happen to anybody else. You have that power. Don't waste it. Kenan sits there, and as Omen gets up, realizing that this is futile, she moves out into the open. We get a cut in onto Kenan as the camera slowly zooms into him and we hear echoes. Some things are more important than any one individual. Align your intention with Superman's, then put that intention where his key wants to go. You're not a bad kid. You just need to learn to care about someone other than yourself. And there's a momentary flash of Kenan holding his mom's hand and looking up to see her smiling at him. Omen steps forward, accepting what's about to happen as Metallo says, I'm here to complete a job. I kill you, I get to go home. Omen accepts her fate, knowing that it's been a long time coming. As Metallo's arm shifts and transforms into a blade, he goes to cleave her into the blade coming down when Kenan catches Metallo's blade. He does that cool, like, sword catch where the two, he, you know, smacks his palms together to catch the blade. He breaks the blade, shattering it, and throws the blade aside. And we see him moving the key from his belly to his fist as he winds back and he, boom, strikes Metallo, setting him flying backwards back down the hallway, crumbling up at the end of the hallway as he does his kryptonite core at the center of him having shattered and he is powered down. Kenan and Omen stand there seeing each other, truly, maybe for the first time. Kenan winds back, looking like he's going to strike her, but strikes the wall next to them, which gives us a view out into Shanghai, with it being terrorized by Doomsday in the distance. Kenan looks out, and he looks back at Omen, saying, If I do this, if I go out there, people see me, your secret is out. The Ministry's days working from the shadows are over. Omen looks at him and says, We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Which brings us back to the battle. Uh, Team Wonderbat is struggling against Doomsday. They are strong. They have finally realized how to cooperate with each other. But Doomsday is Doomsday. He is just merciless. He is dangerous. And he has all of the... Uh, technological know-how to counteract Baishi's uh, devices and knows 
with his intellect how to counter anything that they put against him. At one point, Doomsday chucks Wonder Woman to the side, knocks Batman to the ground, and goes to stomp him to kill this normal man who is in a costume when he is tackled at the waist by Wonder Woman. She pummels him, but he catches her fist, picks her up, picks her up by her hands and her feet, and he rips her in half. Batman shrieks. He yells in anguish. And we can see that this hits Batman a little harder than you would think. Doomsday tosses the two halves of a Wonder Woman to the side as he marches towards Batman. He goes for the killing blow, and all of a sudden we hear, burr, burr. Doomsday turns to the side as the BUV smashes into him, knocking him over. It hits the ground, swerves around, drifts back towards Batman, scoops up by she, and then comes into an Akira stop door opens and Kenan steps out to confront Doomsday and this is where we need to set things up we need to set the stage for this very anime style uh, showdown Kenan versus Doomsday Kenan as we've seen has unlocked trigrams one through four He's got about half of the power that Superman had when he fought Doomsday 10 years ago. Doomsday outclasses Kenan on the power front. He doesn't have all of Superman's abilities. He doesn't have the flight, doesn't have the, uh, the freeze breath, but he does have the super strength, the durability, the heat vision. And this is where we get that moment where Leung tells him, like, you are outclassed here. I beat Superman. And I can beat you. And Kenan replies something that is very personal to me, and I have ripped straight from my own life. Kenan looks across the street at Doomsday and says, when I was younger, I got stuck on a video game. I was trying to fight this big bad monster and I couldn't beat it, no matter how hard I tried. And my dad, he told me, you have the tools to win here. Because as big and as bad as that video game monster gets, you can learn you can get better. And this video game monster is going to keep staying the same. I can get better. You can't. You refuse to let go of who you are and who you were. I will beat you because I have to beat you. And it pans back and we see Dr. Omen outside of the BUV using some of the medical um, devices to try and get Batman back into the fight. And we see Batman slowly reaching out weakly to Daylon's body. And we get 
the throwdown. We get the battle we have been waiting for. Kennen battles with Doomsday, and we see through this fight, Kennen has gotten better. He's learned. He's become more in touch with himself. He's shifting from trigram to trigram, mainly focusing on trigrams one and two in vulnerability and strength, but he does use trigram four to find weak points, to listen for collateral damage, to move Doomsday anytime he gets too close to a civilian. And we see that those weak points that Kennen keeps finding are starting to get bigger. The Doomsday formula that turned him into what he was was never meant to be bound to human physiology. And though this new formula, derived from Kennen's DNA, has given him a more stable version of that, it's still flawed. The original serum is still in him, and that doomsday form strains Leung's physiology. He's pushing past what his body is able to do. Kennen is also showing what he's learned from Bai Shi and Daylan. He's fighting smarter. He's avoiding civilians. He's making sure that anytime they get too close, he moves uh, Doomsday to a different street. Uh, at a certain point, he throws him up in the air to get him away from the little boy and his mom. And it's very anime. I cannot stress this enough. It's very anime. Uh, it's basically if if I had to pull a comparison out of out of my head, it's Goku versus o Ozaru uh, Vegeta, the big giant ape, as or I guess monkeys since apes don't have tails. But it's Kenan using his smarts, using his quickness, trying to make up for the power disparity that he has against Doomsday. Unfortunately, as the fight continues to move across Shanghai, the fight does reach Lanshin. Kennen sees Lanshin as Doomsday notices Kennen's attention on her and the news crew, and Doomsday goes after Lanshin. Kennen has the opportunity to strike a killing blow onto Doomsday. His back is turned, he can take him out here. But it would mean that he would have to sacrifice Lanshin to do so. And so Kennen, as fast as he can, latches on to Doomsday and hits him with a fucking German suplex, dropping him down onto the street below. Doomsday wrestles himself out of it and immediately brings both of his fists down onto Kennen's legs, crushing them. Kennen shouts in pain. He's struggling to get back to his feet, but he can't. And Doomsday stands over the fallen Superman. And he says, I knew that that would give me an opening. Poor little Superman. You wanted to be just like the American hero who died fighting me. Well, congratulations, hero. Your life will end just like his did. In the ruins of your city, completely and utterly alone. When all of a sudden, we hear, He's not alone! Don't lose your way! And then, 
we see nine bat sticky grenades latch onto his back, blows him forward. He is thrown for a loop, tumbles forward away from Kennen, and we see Batman is back in the game! As Doomsday gets back to his feet, all of a sudden we hear as something wraps itself around Doomsday, binding him. But it's too big to be the lasso. He looks down and he sees he is being wrapped around by what looks like a giant green snake. Camera pans out and we see Daylan, the Wonder Woman. The top half of her body is still Wonder Woman. The bottom half of her body is now this gigantic snake body that has bound him, and she is wailing on him, just bah, bah, bah. Doomsday struggles out of it, bursts out. Uh, Wonder Woman retreats, slithering up next to Batman, and they continue to battle against Doomsday. As Kenan gets the breather that he needs to try and recover and make his next move. We see at a certain point, Kenan is trying to force himself up to his feet and Wonder Woman and Batman know that as good as they are as strong as Daylan is Kenan has to be the one to make the final strike he has to be the one to end this and so Wonder Woman wraps around Doomsday restraining him as Batman uses gadgets to lock him down in place to big old uh, power suppression gauntlets latching onto him and forcing his arms down to the ground as Daylon pins him. Her body, her snake body wrapped around him and they're shouting for Kenan. And we see Kenan focus his key into working overtime to get him up. He's using Trigram 4 for his invulnerability basically as a painkiller to numb him so that he can get to his feet. He uses Trigram 2, his strength, to push his body past his broken limbs as he stands. He uses his super hearing to hear Doomsday's heartbeat. He is weakened. His physiology is pushed past what he know, what he knows how to deal with, and his body is not recovering quickly enough for him to fix this. If Kennen strikes him as hard and as fast as he can, he might be able to end this. Kennen gets to his feet, the pain still at the edges of his vision, and he uses Trigram 4 x-ray vision to give him basically a tunnel vision to doomsday and sees the final weak point right in his gut Kennen starts struggling limping towards doomsday trying to get closer to him trying to get closer to him he's pushing himself he's getting slowly faster and faster and we see for the first time having all four trigrams unlocked at the same time he pushes his key past his limits and he feels it move from his thighs into his feet and he accesses trigram five his super speed as he rockets forward, fist outstretched, and we get that sing anime finish as he bursts through Doomsday. In one side, out the other side, right through the center of him. 
Doomsday hits the ground on the other side, Wonder Woman and Batman collapse on either side, and Doomsday, broken in half, crumples down and breaks open, almost like a cocoon. Leung, in his original body, crawls out of this Doomsday carcass. He is is looking like something out of the, the fly or some shit. He crawls out, weakened, his body barely usable. And he stands, he, he can't even stand. He gets up to his knees, shaking. His body has been spent. He is powerless. And he looks up, and we see Kenan standing over him with a green car, ready to crush him and end this. Delon and Baishi tell Kenan, you don't need to kill him. The battle is done. You've won here. And we see Lanshin pleading with him. You don't have to do this. You've won. The day is won. You don't need to be a killer. Not like him. And Kenan, his eyes filling up with tears, he says, he killed my mom. I have to end this. And Lanshin shouts to him, what would Superman do? And Kenan takes that in. But it's not what Superman would do that comes to him. He thinks about what his mom would do. He sets the car down. And Leung looks up at him, bewildered, thinking that his life was over. Kenan looks down at him and he says, We were both broken by expectation. We don't have to be what someone else wants us to be. We decide who we are. We're going to take you in. And he outstretches his hand. He says, find out how to be Superman together. Leung, recognizing that he is now in the presence of Superman, reaches up. Blam! A shot rings out. Leung looks down and sees a kryptonite green hole in his chest. Looking at Kenan, his body falls, revealing in the background Dr. Omen, holding the kryptonite gun turned to the max setting. And not just that, as the camera pans out, we see that the news crews that have gathered, witnessing Omen putting down the monster doomsday. Kenan collapses into Lanshin's arms. Baishi and Daylon regroup with him. The battle is won. We get a montage of different scenes, recovery, and we hear uh, Kennan's voiceover return, saying, In the aftermath of the attack, Dr. Omen made sure the image of her striking the final blow on Doomsday was plastered all over every news channel. Of course, their involvement in Doomsday's creation was swept under the rug. 
Dr. Omen and the Ministry were the heroes that saved Shanghai. She parlayed this into the public debut of the Ministry of Self-Reliance, presented as an organization meant to protect every citizen of China in an ever-changing, super-powered landscape. And we see the, you know, we see Omen doing interviews, and we see, you know, the Ministry of Self-Reliance, saviors of China, and we see Zhang Dan staring at the screen in disbelief. Kennan's voiceover continues, and the world took notice. News broadcasts not just in China, all around the world of the doomsday attack, Dr. Omen, testimonies of citizens saved by Kennan and company. This was a worldwide event, not unlike the doomsday from 10 years ago. But this time, the heroes won. Voiceover continues, There's a lot of uncertainty and danger in the days ahead. But if I've learned anything, I know now that I won't have to face it alone. Weeks later, there's a press conference being held by Dr. Omen and the Ministry to debut the new Justice League of China. Backstage, we see Omen giving Kenan, Baishi, and Daylon talking points. Uh, Kenan, along with his um, normal uh, Superman suit, has been given this yellow visor to block uh, his identity. For being shown they do not have the means to uh, explain in all of their you know cover-ups and whatever how this person who v very publicly was killed was brought back to be superman and omen says we've established civilian identities for you all so you can move freely outside of your hero persona and kenan looks at the id that he's given and he says this isn't my name and omen a little annoyed looks at him and says kong kenan is dead you need to leave him in the past. Whether we like it or not, we're all in this together now, she says, as everyone just kind of like un unsurely looks at each other. And she says, so we need to be on the same page. My page. And then Omen heads out onto the stage to give her speech. Baishi and Daylan, you know, comfort Kenan, who is kind of lamenting that his life is really truly over. And Baishi says, no matter what she says, we have your back. We'll bide our time, and eventually we'll bring her and the ministry to justice. Delon looks at him and just goes, wait a second, isn't that against protocol? Baishi smirks. He looks at both of them and he says, starting today, the three of us have our own protocol. We see Omen giving her speech, and we see that it's being watched not just by the citizens of China, but on a TV screen at the Daily Planet building, Lan Shin, at her desk, watching the press conference. We see after Omen gets done explaining that the Justice League of China is set up to be the answer to a world of uncertainty and will represent the country on the world stage, she hands the mic over to our new Superman. Kenan, his eyes blocked by the visor, steps to the podium, and he's shaky and he's unsure, and he's holding these note cards that Omen gave him. He stares at them, and he looks out into this crowd of reporters the world is watching. He looks back 
at Baishi and Delan. He smiles. He rips up the notes. He reaches up and he crushes the visor, pulling it from his face. And he says, My name is Kong Kennan, and I am the new Superman. The press explodes into a frenzy. We see um, Daylon and Baishi laughing in disbelief. They cannot believe he did this. Omen, as the camera moves from them to her at the end of the stage, is stewing in anger. And she will remember this. We cut back to Lanshin at the Daily Planet, who, grinning from ear to ear, type starts typing a new headline, scrapping the article that she was working on, and she writes, New Superman and the Justice League of China. It cuts back to Kenan standing proud as the reporters are surrounding him. And we get the final voiceover saying, This is my story, and it's not over yet. Credits. And of course, because this is what it is, it's a superhero movie, we gotta have some post credit stuff. So we get a mid credit scene. And we cut back to Dr. Omen's office back at the ministry. And we see the news footage of the Justice League of China debuting, the, you know, bar in the bottom reading Kong Kennan alive, and all of this stuff. And we hear, as we, as we see Omen sitting at her desk, liquor... A bottle of liquor just sitting on the desk. She hears footsteps. A door opens. She looks up and we hear a voice say, The new Superman. Catchy, if a bit derivative. Dr. Omen's gaze settles onto the form of Lex Luthor. Luthor is here to retrieve Metallo. And he's revealed as Leung's benefactor, a person who Leung reached out to, and he said, well, it's having to do with Superman. Of course I'm involved. And Omen is not surprised by this. She says, I'm glad that you decided to grace us with your presence instead of firing pot shots from across an ocean. You had your chance, and you failed. And Lex laughs. He says, that... (laughs) Metallo was a warning shot. If I wanted you dead, you'd be dead. And Omen decides to release Metallo back to Luthor. No harm, no foul. In the end, they both got what they wanted. And she presents Metallo as a peace offering of sorts and a sign of goodwill. She says, you and I have the opportunity to do a lot of good work together. And Luthor smiles and he says, I was hoping you'd say that. I'm putting together a society of sorts. And I think you'd fit right in. Omen and Luthor agree to a tentative alliance. And Luthor goes to leave before stopping and looking at the footage of Kong Kenan proudly at the uh at the press conference and then him you know saving people going about doing superman things with the justice league of china and he grins and he taps on the screen and looks back at her and he says 
That's a hell of a kid you've got. You must be proud. He leaves, and we see the camera shift to Omen, who scowls, revealing that Omen is Kenan's mom. Credits continue, and we get a post-credits scene. Kenan, in normal street clothes, is walking through the streets, and he arrives at this run-down dojo. He looks down at a card. He's got a bag slung over his shoulder. Looks at it and goes, all right, here we go. The camera holds on him. Or the camera holds on the scene as Kenan makes his way into the dojo, opening the door, shutting it behind him, and the camera pans down to a sign. I Ching Martial Arts Studio. And that is New Superman, the movie. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Like I said, I've been thinking about this for a very long time, and so I really appreciate you going on this ride with me uh, to wrap up Soup-tember. I love Kong Kenan as a character. I love New Superman. I love the series. I'm so excited to see where he goes now that he's kind of back in the prominent light. And who knows? Maybe we will see Kenan show up in the movies or animation, video games. The sky is the limit for Kong Kenan. And if I know anything about that character, limits have never stopped him before and they won't stop him now. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we are reviewing season four of Harley Quinn. This one is interesting. I feel like, I said it earlier, I feel like this season just kind of came and went and no one was talking about it or mentioning it or anything. And... It's weird because I kind of understand why. Um, Season three set up this interesting dynamic where uh, Poison Ivy was going to be taking over the Legion of Doom while Harley Quinn was going to be joining the Bat family. And they were going to try to make it work. And in the ten episodes that we get from season four, I'm not going to say it's bad, because it's not. I enjoyed it immensely. But you can tell that the the bloom is kind of off the rose here. And I hate to say that, because I really loved the first two seasons of this show. And I, I don't know what it is exactly that makes me not enjoy this latest season as much as the previous three. Um, It feels like there are certain choices, certain characters, um, just certain narrative things that happen that I feel like kind of backtrack where we were for a lot of these characters. Like, 
the Joker. I think this is one of the most interesting versions of this character that we've seen in a really long time. And, you know, putting him through the paces of getting amnesia, getting a family, that family accepting him as the Joker. Joker as family man was very much like Boo Saga Vegeta, where it's just like, this is a psychopath who now has to go to PTA meetings. And I don't feel like we got enough time to really enjoy that aspect of the character because he just goes back to being a villain again um he even shoots barbara gordon because that's apparently it's that and beating jason todd of the crowbar is the only things he can do in adaptations i man it's it's frustrating because you see a character like that uh played again incredibly by alan tudyk who just I don't know. I don't know. There's there's something missing. I did like when we went back to visit that family after they had kind of committed to be villains with him. Um, but they don't get nearly enough screen time in this season. And I don't understand why. Because if you are going to make him be a villain, make him still be a villain family man and have his family be involved. It feels like that would have been a lot more interesting than just, oh, he's getting bored with his life and he has to go back to being a villain again. It, it just doesn't give me a whole lot for that character because we made such strides with him creatively to kind of put their own stamp and it feels like now they're just retreating. And a lot of that is kind of backtracking for this season, um, which is weird to me. Um, and I feel like there are a couple things that were missing for me this this season. Obviously, the uh, the impact of not having Kite Man, who was a big part of why those first two seasons were great. Um, it's not that he needed to be there, and it's, I mean, it's very clearly, um, you know, him kind of getting his swan song in season three, going off the Golden Glider. Now he's getting his own show, which is really exciting. But his dynamic with them, I think, was really missed here. Um, not having Batman for any of this before just kind of, I guess, resetting the deck uh, at the end, having him just be in prison and not really examining that, it's uh, it's unfortunate. You know, you get this opportunity to really dig into the Bat family, and then you kill off Nightwing, which... Look, I am the biggest Dick Grayson fan alive, but I was totally okay with the mystery of who killed Nightwing, what was going to come out of this, and then just kind of a random, it was Harley, but it wasn't Harley. And I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, I did like Bane. There's. There's. What is not to love about Bane in this series? Uh, his random like go off to Italy to be to find the greatest pasta maker, and he became the greatest pasta maker. Uh, was really good. So I enjoyed that. Um, certain versions of these characters. I mean, I really enjoyed um, Giancarlo Esposito's. Lex Luthor throughout this entire show and this season was no different I did think that him becoming kind of the overarching villain made sense for him and him being in opposition as you know the rich uh, the rich man in this world where Harley and Ivy are kind of trying to battle the patriarchy is a good idea 
I don't think that it stuck the landing always, but seeing him kind of get more manic in his pursuit of trying to one-up Poison Ivy was really good, and I liked their dynamic in the show. But by the end of this, everything is kind of reset to how it was, more or less. You know, Batman's coming back. The Joker's a villain again. Harley and Ivy are still, you know, an item, which is good. I'm glad that they didn't, you know, mess with that at all. But we broke up the original team. The original team doesn't share any scenes completely together, which is heartbreaking. And... By the end of this, I mean, they're setting up a whole new team, which is Gotham City Sirens, which I think is great. But I do think that by season five, we should start thinking about an exit strategy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about season four. And I don't like being negative, and I didn't set out to be this negative about it. There are absolutely positives. The animation is still really fun. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco is still pitch perfect as Harley Quinn. And overall, the voice cast is phenomenal. I just feel like there, there was something missing here that we had in the previous three seasons. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I I hope that they rebound and have a really good season five because this is kind of the bottom of the list for me. And again, I don't like being negative. I did really enjoy a lot of this, but I can't help it. I can't help it. I try to be, you know, as, as honest and fair as I can. And it just didn't work for me, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Because I love this show, I love the takes on these characters, I just, I want them to be as good as they were in previous seasons, which is probably unfair, but... Yeah, so that is it. That is the weekly review on the fourth season of Harley Quinn. Again, I didn't mean it to be as negative as it ended up being, but it is what it is. So now let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of September 27th, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And it was real tough, gang. Last week was a just packed full week of incredibly good comics. But ultimately, I ended up with a tie. And not just a tie, it was a three-way tie. I know, I know, I don't like doing ties normally, but I couldn't help it. It ended up being a three-way tie between Superman number six, Captain America number one, And, of course, Wonder Woman number one. All three of those books were incredible. I cannot explain to you how refreshing it was to see, I mean, first of all, just two absolute banger number ones drop. But also, right smack dab in the middle of September, a Superman issue that absolutely blew me away. So, I really enjoyed those books. Go check those out. If you haven't already, but that's last week. This week, we've got a whopping 10 books. We are back in double digits, and my wallet is not going to be happy with me. But 
from one Superman book to another, let's kick the list off with Action Comics number 1057. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens, and Magdalene Visaggio with art by Rafa Sandoval, uh, Lee Weeks, as well as Matthew Clark. Uh, this is continuing on a lot of stuff. We've got a brand new uh, arc called Revenge of the Demon in the main story. We're continuing Lois and Clark 2. And uh, looks like we're also getting a third story uh, featuring our boy Connell. So let's go ahead and dig into this synopsis and find out what is going on. New story arc, the Superfamily replaced. As the Superfamily and Steelworks rebuild their city, a new golden age of Metropolis has begun, and not everyone is happy about it. As the charismatic but volatile young terrorist leader Nora Stone reveals herself and her vision for a city without Kryptonians, members of the Superfamily inexplicably start losing their powers, and the new team of metahumans emerges to take their place. Who is Nora Stone, and what's her strange obsession with Clark Kent? The newest arc of action comics begins here. Uh, weird that in the synopsis it doesn't talk about the other two stories, but... Yeah, um, the other two stories, obviously Lois and Clark 2, as well as a story called Super Is a Super Does, which again, I think features Con L. Uh, I do really love this uh, David Tulaski uh, Kenan variant, and I'm going to be hunting for that this week, uh, if it wasn't already clear. But I'm interested to pick this up. Next up, we have Batman Catwoman, The Gotham War, Red Hood number one. That's a mouthful of a title uh this is written by matthew rosenberg with art by nicola semesha i really um i'm interested i like this creative team right off the bat uh especially because matthew rosenberg just matches up really well with red hood but again i'm still i'm still cautiously optimistic about gotham war we'll see how this goes uh red hood is very staunchly on the side of catwoman in this book and it might not be the only one spoilers if you haven't if you're not caught up with that but i'm curious to see what his view on this all is so let's dig into the synopsis the Gotham War has fractured the Bat Family in dramatic ways, none more intensely than with Jason Todd. This stunning event will forever alter the destiny of the man who wears the Red Hood. Interesting. Interesting. Next up, we have Miss Marvel, the New Mutant Number Two. This is written by Sabir Prezada with art. Or, and Sabir Prezada and Iman Vellani with art by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. And the first issue of this was really good. I really, really dug it. Uh, this is kind of the perfect way to reintroduce this character. Again, death notwithstanding. I really am excited to see what she brings into this world that hates and fears her. So let's dig into the synopsis. Undercover under Orcus's nose. Miss Marvel's mission t makes her a target for Orcus, but they have no idea they're looking for a completely normal teenage girl in their summer science program. Thankfully, Iron Man and Emma Frost are able to stop by and show Kamala how to fly under the radar. 
that's fun. Uh, we do know that the wedding of Emma Frost and Tony Stark, as uh, not exactly as we thought it would be as it is, is underway. So I like that they're popping up in the other books to kind of make that feel like a bigger event. Next up, we have The Flash number one. This is kicking off a brand new run by Cy Spurrier with art by Mike Diodato Jr. And... If you are not aware, in the book club, we've been going through uh, Joshua Williamson's Flash run. I absolutely adore Jeremy Adams' Flash run, so I am very curious to see what Spurrier and Diodato have in store for Wally West. Let's dig into the synopsis and find out. Wally West races towards the future with an all-new creative team. Wally West has never been quicker, more fulfilled, more heroic. His loving family is around him, and yet something is off. Very off. His evolving understanding of his powers has opened Wally to new avenues of sci-fi adventure and attuned his senses to strange new ideas. Something whispers from the dark vibrations beyond the speed force, and as Wally experiments with creative new approaches to his powers, he encounters new realms, mysterious allies, and mind-shattering terrors. That's interesting. We did know that there was going to be a little bit of... Uh, elements of cosmic horror so i'm curious i'm still again i don't know what to think because it's been a while since we've had a flash book kind of take this route so i'm interested but we'll see next up we have void rivals number four this is written by robert kirkman with art by lorenzo de felici and I really enjoy this book. I really, really do. I like the world it's setting up or the worlds it's setting up and it being kind of the entry point into the, into this new Energon universe that we're getting. I think it's a great entry point for people. So let's dig into the synopsis. The climactic return to the sacred ring. Thrown before the highest authority for their crimes against the Sacred Ring, will Derek and Salila's newfound alliance hold strong? The most shocking new series of the year continues. Um, yeah, I'm really into it. I love sci-fi. I'm excited to see where this goes. Next up, we have Green Arrow number four. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Shani Zaxe. Um, I've Someone said it's Isaacs, and I'm really tempted to go that route i don't know for sure if someone wants to tell me what the correct pronunciation of his last name is i would thank you but i'm very excited about this book i've been loving it obviously i'm a big joshua williamson mark as you could already tell uh williamson's killing it and he is doing exactly that in green arrow as well so let's dig into the synopsis oliver queen versus parallax Years ago, Oliver Queen died and was resurrected by his good old buddy Hal Jordan. But it wasn't really Hal, it was Parallax. And did no one think that would come with a cost? Now, Parallax has returned to collect. Meanwhile, Arsenal and Black Canary's search for Oliver Queen leads them to a long-lost Green Arrow family member who isn't so happy to be found. 
Yeah! Hard Traveling Heroes Reunion! I am... I really do like... There's something about Joshua Williamson and his love of continuity that really speaks to me. So I'm glad that we're addressing this. I love Parallax as a character. So this is two big thumbs up from me. Next up, we have The Immortal Thor number 2. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Martin Cochalo. And... I really dug that first issue. I thought it was an absolute home run. I like the route that we're going with this. God versus bigger gods. Uh, this is going to be one for, for the books, for sure. Let's dig into the synopsis and find out what's next. Toranos walks the earth. An elder god of the Utgard realm had marked Thor for destruction and a city with him. Yet the only power that could prevail carried its own terrible price, and all the while Loki waited. Loki, who took no side and played no favorites, even if it be their own kin. This is the story of the immortal Thor, and the hour of his greatest trial. Yeah, tells you all you need to know, this, th th this feels big time, and I like that in my Thor comics. Next up, we have Firepower number 27. It's a double dose of Robert Kirkman this week. Uh, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Chris Somney. I love this book. I am still really sad that it's ending in a few months. Uh, that just, uh, that bums me out. But really excited to finish out the series see what the final act has in store for us let's uh let's see what owen johnson is up to this week another member of the johnson family has learned the firepower but with shaw's reach extending in chicago owen and his army will have to strike soon whether they're ready or not yeah it's a family affair with the firepower and i am like i said i'm loving this book Next up, uh, the two big books of the week, the books I think you should absolutely be picking up, are first, Spirit World number five, written by Alyssa Wong, art by Haining. Are you reading this book yet? Are you reading this book? If you're not, remember, I'll be in your walls. But I I love this book. I, I don't think it's a secret. I'm really enjoying it so far, and I think you will too if you haven't already started it. And if you have started it, I'm sure you're also enjoying it. It's just a great book. Um, Xanthi is a wonderful character, and I think they are, they've got real staying power, which is exciting. I'm excited to see them cross over with other characters in the DC universe. But for now, their solo adventures is just good enough for me. Let's dig into the synopsis. The Collective is hungry to collect more spirits and bodies to absorb, making it an even scarier and more powerful being. But it is not enough. So it begins to chase after the most delicious of memories. Bowen and Popo get taken by the Collective, and it's up to Xanthi and Batgirl to pull them out of its conjoined body parts before they get melded on as well. Permanently. As Popo fights to hold on to her memories as much as possible, we discover her secret origin and why she has such a soft spot for orphans. I love the world building! I love the world building. I love that we're building out the supporting cast. Uh, this is really exciting for me. But the other big book of the week is, of course, Ultimate Invasion number four. This is written by our boy Johnny Hicks, uh, with art by Brian Hitch. Woof, this is going to be a lot, because this is supposed to lead directly into 
Ultimate Universe. And we now know over the past week that Jonathan Hickman's going to be writing Ultimate Spider-Man. So we're going to be getting clues, I'm assuming, from whatever happens here. Either way, this is the last stop before the rebirth of the Ultimate Universe proper. So let's dig into the synopsis and find out just what John Hickman has in store. The end or the beginning? War breaks out as timelines and universes collide. Iron Man must choose between the lesser of two evils, the Maker or Kang. But what secret does Iron Man know about the men behind the masks? And at the end of it all, the world outside your window will be forever changed. Don't miss this giant-sized, action-packed conclusion. Or is it only the beginning? Yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. I can't wait to read this. I can't wait to see what Hickman has cooking up for us. This is going to be one for uh, for everybody to keep their eyes on for sure. But that is going to do it for this week's Comics Countdown. A big one. The biggest one we've had in a while. So I hope you enjoy these books to recap we've got action comics number 1057 batman catwoman the gotham war red hood number one miss marvel the new mutant number two the flash number one void rivals number four green arrow number four the immortal thor number two firepower number 27 spirit world number five and ultimate invasion number four this might be the single most issues that have a single digit in their numbering in a very long time on the uh, comics countdown. So make sure it's a single digit in your priority list to head on over to your local comic book shop and pick up some great comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word you write. Uh, And I have been taken advantage of in the past when it comes to that. But as long as you give those five stars, the sky's the limit. And I will be happy to read whatever you write. And you'll be able to join the likes of our Terrific 21, including Seafire Undead, Joshua Pencil Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken 4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Kenneth from Norway. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours we're trying to get let's go for let's say 30 reviews by the end of the year i think we can do it let's make it happen and i will be waiting with bated breath to read all of your reviews if you'd like to be part of the geek explain mailbag send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will We'll read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, 
participate in polls that decide future episodes, get first notification for announcements for the podcast, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, I will be found at Geeksplained Pod. That's at Geeksplained P-O-D on Instagram and Twitter for as long as Instagram is around, not calling it X. And as I continue to try to get better with Instagram, uh, is Threads a thing? Do I need to get on Threads? I don't know. We'll see. But at Geeksplained Pod would be the place to keep up to date with us. Uh, every single Friday is the Geek Explained Book Club, where I, alongside my fellow Flash family, Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown, are currently going through every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. We are in the final stretch, folks. Uh, this week, we're going to be covering Flash Forward, the six-issue miniseries that took Wally West from the end of Heroes in Crisis to death metal speed metal it is an interesting ride to say the least and we're gonna have a lot to talk to uh to say about it so make sure you join us this friday and next friday as well for the big finale of the flash rebirth before we dive headfirst into green arrow rebirth be there or be square not a circle flash fridays are a real thing so you're gonna want to check it out but that does it for this week that does it for soup timber i hope you enjoyed this month's uh episodes i had a ton of fun putting them together i want to say a huge thank you to all of the guests that we had this month it really it just it made me happy to be able to talk about exclusively my favorite character in fiction with people that i love and adore um so make sure uh you check out as i said before uh zach's half of September. The po- the comics that we love is the podcast that he runs, and he's also been doing September stuff. This week, he is tackling All-Star Superman. I am so freaking excited. I love that book to death, and I'm never going to be covering it on this podcast, so I implore you to go check out his stuff. Um, September has been a ton of fun. I hope you enjoyed it, but now with the end of September... My friends, we have reached Geektober. Next week kicks off a month filled with spooky, spooky horror, Halloween-esque episodes. I am very excited to share it with you. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I think this is, what, the third or fourth annual Geektober we've done? So join us for that next week and for the entire month of October. I cannot wait to see you there. Make sure you tune in for the kickoff next Wednesday. Same geek time, same geek channel. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you so, so much. September has been a blast. I've absolutely loved it, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. But for the Geek Explained podcast for September, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Everybody stay safe, stay super, and we will see you next time.